0: Greetings and welcome to the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. If you're new to the show, this is a long-form podcast where I sit down with guests and we just have a conversation. Now, these conversations are not scripted. They are raw and real. There's no editing. So wherever they go, they go. So hopefully you guys will enjoy the conversations as much as I know that I will. This episode is brought to us by Mike the Strongman. Are you tired of getting your training and nutrition advice from someone with only a weekend certification? And perhaps it's time to turn to someone with over 15 years of research-based experience. Mike the Strongman can help you with all your training and nutrition needs. Mike has a proven track record of getting results with his clients. Visit MikeTheStrongman.com for more information or email Mike at mikethestrongman@gmail.com at gmail.com if you're ready to take your performance to the next level. This episode is also brought to us by the Healthiest You Chiropractic Center. The Healthiest You Chiropractic Center in Strongsville, Ohio, is dedicated to giving their patient community the highest level of health care. Their doctors have been trained on the newest and most innovative styles of chiropractic and rehabilitative treatment. From back pain to ankle strains, the Healthiest You has remedies for a variety of injuries. Are you looking to perform better in life and activity? Their team takes a wellness-based approach on health rather than only focusing on symptoms such as pain. Call 440-238-3338 or email them at cairo. that's T-H-Y-C-H-I-R-O, at gmail.com for questions about becoming a patient. Now is a better time than ever to become the healthiest you. And last but not least, this episode is brought to us by CrossFit Strongsville. CrossFit Strongsville is a place where everyday people become heroes every day through qualified coaching. Challenging yet modifiable exercise programming and a supportive community unlike any other, members find a way to break through personal barriers physically, mentally, and emotionally. No matter what level you're at, from the very beginner to the elite, you'll find you receive great service from the moment you walk through the door, and we promise it will be one of the best hours of your day. Check out CrossFitStrongsville.com for more information and to sign up for a free one-on-one consultation with the owner, a 12-year veteran of the fitness and therapy fields. All right, folks, today I got to sit down with one of my best friends in the whole world, Mr. Andy Hoffman. I love this guy to death, and I think you guys are going to love him too. So we're going to get into a little bit of his background and kind of how he grew up. And luckily, I get to kind of have a fun conversation along with you guys here because normally when Andy and I are hanging out... We're with other people, so I get to kind of probe them and get to ask little questions that I don't normally get to in a more of a public setting. So I'm going to have a good time, and I know you guys will too, so sit back, strap in, and enjoy our conversation. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of the Uncensored Humanity Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Hess, and today we're sitting down with my good friend, Andy Hoffman. Andy, how are we doing?
1: Doing great, Matt. Doing great. So
0: Andy actually came up with a name for this podcast, because I I originally had picked a name, and I told uh, Andy and our other friend Nick about it, and Nick's like, that's bullshit. It's (laughs) it's rubbish. It's horrible. you got to do something else. And I was a little offended, a little hurt. But then I got thinking about it and realized he was completely right. So so we all planned to meet at the bar and game plan and figure out something. And Nick bailed on us, of course. He did. He <laughs> so, did. So Andy and I went to the Winking Lizard, and we sat down over a few beers. And this is uh, what came out. And it's it's been beautiful. I've been running with it ever since, and I appreciate that. So thank you, Andy.
1: Well, you know, it's weird because I remember as we were, like, brainstorming, it, it was so difficult to come up with, like, you know, because a lot of podcasts are those kind of two word, um, you know, you've got the, uh, you know, it's got to have that, you know, hook to it, that catch. And I remember as just Googling how many, uh, you know, um, different, the different, all the different options that were already taken and, and trademarked. And, and, um, and then when I, when I came up with this one, the first, my first thought was, man, it's, it seems almost like too obvious, you know, like, so there's no way this has to be, you know, open to be used, and after we checked it out, and there was nothing there. I guess that was uh, that was all the all we needed, right? Yeah,
0: luckily it was. So it was a little bit of a play on words, like because another couple ones we came up with were kind of taken. Yeah, you know, so so we we got. We got stuck with what was left over a little bit, yeah. you know, but that's, that's all right because I think it works perfectly.
1: Well, you know, I think if I'm not mistaken, wasn't one of your first things have to do with like fire a fireside chat or something uh, like that's, that?
0: That's originally what I wanted yeah. to call it. I wanted to call it a uh, fire pit conversation okay. because I love the fall. I love sitting out at a fire pit with good friends and a couple of beers yeah. and just bullshitting the night away. Well, and that's kind of what I wanted the podcast to be, just a great conversation. of course,
1: And- I just, the reason I remember that is because just within the last like month or two, I've seen two podcasts that I follow branch off and have their own podcast dubbed the Fireside Chat. Yeah, you know?
0: and I, I saw a couple of episodes that were called that but mm-hmm. not not the whole show itself yeah. but then uh, Nick had said no it's rubbish you need a different name that's going to kind of draw more yeah. people in when they see it make them curious to what it is because mm-hmm. they need to be able to see it and instantly know what it is without you telling them yeah you know and, and he was completely right you know and I was I was mowing my yard uh, going back and forth it's just boring monotonous it is what it is but you got to get it done. And, and I was thinking, like, I want to call this something like the the complete human experience. Yeah. Because that's why I want to suck the marrow out of life, yeah. so to speak. Like, have you ever seen the movie um, The Dead Poet Society? Absolutely. You know, it's like, it's like movies like that have kind of, like, shaped my perspective on life. And I love those kind of films because you can think deeply and it means something to you no matter what stage of life you're in, which is hilarious because when you really get into those kind of things – they all mean different things yeah. depending on where you're actually at in life, you know. Because you can watch them a couple of years later, and you've already figured some other shit out. You work on some other things in the back yeah. of your mind and trying to figure out where you're going to go with your career, or you know, a side project like a freaking podcast or something, you know. And it, it means something completely different, you know. So it's it's, it's it's a lot of fun.
1: It's funny that you that you bring up that particular movie when you're, and then you make that point because. I've only made my son Dylan sit down. Who's He's my oldest son. He's 15. He'll be 16 in a few months. Um, I've only made him really sit down and watch a couple movies with me. Yeah. And Dead Poet Society is one of them. Absolutely. And, and, I, and, and we've done it twice. Once when he was about 10 years old, and, when, and then we just did it again about a year ago. Yeah. And so you four know, years different first time you watched it he had a whole you know he had a whole set of questions and you know experience second time we watched it he had a whole new set of observations you know and could relate more to obviously the the kids in the movie and uh it, it's just funny that you bring that up that that particular movie and then the the point as far as how you can view things at different times yeah. in your life and then here I am watching it you know every couple years too and still like it just holds up so well, and, Absolutely. and I, I know, and I never get through it without like you know having to you know cover up the tears. <laughs> never, not once. It's one of those films, exactly. You
0: know, like pieces of art like that can really change your life. You know, and in a lot, a lot of books that you read, like um, the self help books or stuff yeah. like that. They always talk about how you you read them every couple of years, you know, yeah. or maybe maybe a couple times, you know, every other year or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's so funny because you'll be reading through it the second or third or fourth time, and you're like. Was this in there last time? I don't remember seeing this because it's speaking to you because you were just searching for that at at the moment in your life, which is kind of fun. You know, another movie like that for me is (laughs) actually—I mean, people are gonna laugh when they hear—it's actually Mister Megorium's Wonder Emporium. Okay. Have you, have you seen this film? I have not. Okay. Well, we need to change this. I'll let you borrow <laughs> it. It's amazing. There are so many life lessons that you could pull out of this goofy like children's movie Yeah. You know about a magical uh, gentleman who owns a magical tour store. Of course. And it's, it's just, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, I've, I've been I'll always asked, like, you know, what's your favorite movie? Like, yeah. I can never fucking narrow it down because I love film so much and there's so many favorites that i yeah. have like well like there's the matrix and there's you know scream series i love the scream series yeah. there's all these other kind of films uh you know fight club is amazing all, all these kind of like great epic films that like we kind of grew up with you know and and somebody's always like, oh, like, well, what's your favorite? And it's it's usually between that, so Mr. McGoriam's Wonder Emporium, mm-hmm. just because it's such a great film, what you can really pull out of yeah. it. Now, you've got to be in the kind of mood to watch it. You mm-hmm. can't just watch... I mean, if you watch this for fun, if it's just for entertainment, like a lot of people watch movies, Yeah, it's like, eh, it's just it's a cutesy little kid's movie. Yeah. That's fine. But it's usually between that and basic.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. with
0: with John Travolta, hey. Samuel L. Jackson, and, and Brian <laughs> Van Holtz, <laughs> it's like laundry list like of, of characters that most people have never seen. It they're like, what? Yeah. What's that? Like, know, it's it's kind of like a military movie, but it's not really a military yeah. movie. It's 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 basically just like a murder mystery, whodunit kind okay. of film. And I love it. It's it's a complete mind bender from the beginning, and I love those kind of films that make you think.
1: Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've. I don't think I've seen BASIC. Audio. Most
0: people have never heard of it, so okay. it would actually surprise me if yeah. you've seen it. Well. We'll have to fix that one, too. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> wow. So we got off in the weeds, like, right away. That was great. Yes. You know, which is, you know, kind of the whole purpose of not <laughs> having a script, but I'd actually like to dig into a little bit of your past, kind of get to know you a little bit for our listeners so they can kind of see who you are, and you know, like, kind of what you're all about, you know, so... Like I grew up here in the northeast Ohio area. Um, yep. They call it the Midwest, which is weird to me because when somebody says Midwest, I think like Kansas Can- exactly. or something. I yeah. don't think freaking Ohio, wheat and stuff yeah. like that, tornadoes. You know, I I think of you know us being like kind of like the northeast corner of the states. Yeah. You know, but I, I guess we're really not. But it is what it is. But I mean, did you grow up around here?
1: Yep. Um, born in Akron. Okay. Um, home of uh, Steph Curry and LeBron. Um, and uh, lived in Akron. Northeast Ohio area my whole life, but, um, in probably I'd say half dozen or more, definitely more of the, uh, cities. So I've been, uh, I've lived, uh, I've lived all over Northeast Ohio. Okay.
0: Now, would you grow up with your, your family, your mom and dad, yeah, brothers and sisters? Um, anything?
1: yeah, mom and dad. Um, and, uh, I have, uh, one brother who's two years younger than I am. And, um, we, uh we lived in Goodyear Heights on a uh, road called Slusser which is by um a lot of people might uh that are familiar with northeast ohio that area probably know the Eastwood swimming pool it was a, just a like a humongous community swimming pool and uh you know would go there every summer um but uh you know at, at, at when i was 6 um that's when my that's when my parents divorced okay and my mom stayed at our house in Goodyear Heights for a couple of years my dad moved to Monroe uh, to like the Monroe Falls area, and then we, he ended up building the house in Monroe Falls. How far is that away? That, uh, at the time, that was about um, from Akron, probably just you know fifteen twenty minutes, not too far. Okay, at so all. pretty close. Yeah, and then and then my mom met my stepdad, and then we moved to his house out in Mogador, and lived there for a couple years, and then they got married, and then moved, built a house in Stowe, Ohio. So. Basically, from junior, I'd say from the time I was in about seventh grade on, I was pretty steady. My, I had my mom and stepdad had a house in Stowe, and then my, you know, my dad and stepmom had a house in Mount North Falls, about fifteen minutes apart. And we would actually, my brother and I, we would, um, you know, it was we didn't have a typical. Um, uh, divorced family in a sense where a lot of families, you know, they, they live with one with one of their parents and then, you know, they'll see the other parent, holidays, weekends, things or, like that. Yeah, like a Wednesday every yeah. weekend kind of thing. My my mom and dad, even though even though the split was not cordial, um, you know, much you know, my dad's admitted own infidelity, um, their divorce was actually very amicable and it was all, you know, for me and my brother's of sake. Course. So meaning that we would go where we wanted, when we wanted, you know, my brother and I, and, you know, we had a schedule where the most we were ever at one house at any time was probably three or four days. And then we'd go to the other house for three or four days. And, you know, looking back on that, thinking that I did that all the way from like junior high through almost, you know, through the end of high school, I wonder, you know, because I I never, I never really, even though I had two homes, you know, did I really even have, you know, when you have two homes, do you really have one? Yeah. Kind of like if you have you know, two quarterbacks. Do you really have one quarterback in football? But, um, so I moved around. I was from one house to the other cost and I'm dealing with two, one set of parents who parented me one way. And then I had another set of parents who parented me an entirely different way. Both were, you know, both were great. You know, they, they weren't perfect homes, but, but they were good. There was, you know, no, no, uh, you know, there was no abuse or anything like that. But, uh, It was definitely two different experiences. Uh, My dad and stepmom ended up getting divorced when I was 17. And, uh, man, uh, that was a terrible divorce for, especially for my two half-brothers who, uh, you know, my my dad and stepmom had had. Uh, That was a terrible divorce. And then my mom and stepdad, their marriage did deteriorate greatly as I got out of high school. And then they uh, basically just lived in a in a loveless marriage until he died a couple of years ago. And uh, but so they
0: stayed together, even though yeah, the marriage kind of fell exactly, apart. Exactly.
1: Yeah. He, the, my mom and stepdad stayed together, but basically, you know, hardly ever spoke. They were just roommates. Yeah. Just roommates. And, uh, um, and then, uh, well, you know, just a short other, I mean, my dad went on and had two more kids um, with a woman. And then, so I've got two, I've got two half brothers, two half sisters, <coughs> pardon me and one real brother
0: okay so do you think that caused any kind of um issues maybe growing up like uh insecurities or problems like within school a lot of times you see that with kids who have like a uh, divorced parents yeah. or they're back and forth to different houses especially if it's not like one unified front where they're they're being kind of parented the same way yeah
1: you know i mean It's weird because I've thought about that, and I know that it definitely affected my brother differently. My brother was diagnosed with juvenile diabetes when he was four, which was the exact age that my mom and dad split up and divorced. Oh, really? So, you know, I'm I'm not sure, you know, that combined with the the onset of the diabetes and, um, you know, maybe just other genetic. But he he really did not. He didn't handle it that well. He it's kind of strange because he actually really excelled in school. Straight A's all through high school, um, you know. Went on to get his his college degree, but um, I guess you could say socially, um, ex- extremely hot temper, yeah. very easy trigger. It's it's
0: very common in spe- especially young kids. Yeah. When when the when the parents break up, because the parents are usually what kind of holds the kids together. You know, because if if the kids know that mom and dad love each other, then they know that life is good. Like kids want safe and secure, and there's nothing more safe and secure than the parents absolutely loving each other and being on the same page and having things together together, which is yeah. which is why I think there's a lot of problems with kids nowadays because you don't normally see families stay together anymore. Like it's rare. Oh, it's I mean, it's I, very rare. I mean how many kids like our age, you know, still have like parents together? Like to, I, I can think of, like, one or two yeah, that man, I went to school with.
1: Exactly. To be honest, I mean, I can think of one... Two, maybe, yeah, two, two, two friends of mine that have, that I mean, have it's, parents. That are it's together. a very
0: abnormal yeah. thing anymore because I always tell people it's like I grew up in an abnormal childhood, mm-hmm. you know, because my parents, you know, stayed together, they loved each other, they drug us to church, like my, mm-hmm. my brother and I, on yeah. Sundays, you know, every, every week, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like I should be in therapy, like this isn't normal, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my dad hates it when I say, yeah. when I say that, <laughs>
1: but, but it's true because yeah. it's,
0: it's very rare,
1: yeah, I mean, it's. Um, you know, even when I look at, um, you know, my own, you know, my own family now and, um, you know, especially the, you know, in the field I'm in right now, I, I meet, I know a lot of, I see a lot of families every day and I, I see, you know, dealing with split up families all the time. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, and I can see the effects on the kids and, you know, obviously to a, you know, to a T, um, when one of the parents isn't in the picture, you know, there's, um, you know, those kids, you can see them, they, they, they struggle. It's, yeah. It's, it's, you it's can al- almost
0: bet on certain problems yeah, that they're
1: going to have. And it's, there's just, um, you know, it, it, it almost, it, it, it's a shame to see that type of predictability because you always like to, you always like to, to believe in, you know, hope and, and, you know being able to break out, break free from, you know, the cards you were dealt and stuff like that. But then when you see the predictability of what a broken family does to a little kid, yeah. it's like, damn, it's like, is in, in, in some senses there, you know, you play, you have to play those cards. And it's a shame when you see it happen to people that are so young that they don't even, they don't know what's happening to them.
0: Yeah. And most of the times later in life, they'll figure out how to work through it and work around it and, Make things good mm-hmm. for themselves, but at, at the time, they're going to struggle.
1: Yeah, yeah you know? absolutely. And I mean, who who doesn't? I mean, you just see you, you're seeing childhoods, you know, robbed pretty much because uh, you know it's it's just um, um, it, it, it's just one of those things where there's there's no way to replace what what is missing when there's a broken family like no, that absolutely and that's not. and even even as well as my parents divorced even as much as they always put me and my brother first um it was always there was always something weird about loving both your parents but also realizing that they weren't you know one of them wasn't good enough for the other one with the other one yeah and so that's that kind of stuff, kind of, you know, that kind of stuff makes you think then about your parents as people. And when you start re- thinking about your parents as people, and that, as that happens more and more as you get older, that's when you really start to get creeped out because when you start to recognize your parents' flaws, and then when you see like how you mirror a lot of those flaws, <laughs> it's like it's amazing how that works. Yeah, it's like it's like you you look at your parents, and and you're like, you really. You know, you understand though, as as a parent yourself, how much you wing it, and then I think you understand now how much your parents winged it.
0: Oh yeah, because you can never ever prepare yourself yeah. for having a child.
1: And I think that that's the fun. That's that's also you know something funny is that y- you don't ever realize how full of shit your parents were. <laughs> You know, until you get to be that full of shit yourself. And then, like, there are times where I pun- – I'm sorry to go off on this tangent right no, now. No, I no, mean, no. This
0: is the whole idea of the but, show.
1: But, like, there are times when I'll literally, like, just be in my kid's face just just punishing them, you know, to the point where it's like, you know, I feel like I've broken them inside. And then, like, after, after you know, after, after I – after, you know, they go away and I reflect on what happened, it's like – it's like, man, I said – I'm. You know, you you question what you did. Like, was that even right? Like, was was that? Did I do that correctly? Like, would my did would my parents have done something? You know, is that the way? Did I only do that because that's how I used to be dealt with? And then you start to like, um. You know, there have been times where I've 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 laughed at myself. You know, for being such a you know an asshole. And then you know, but you know, I always go apologize. As you have to, yeah. And I'll be and I'll say, you know, son you know, or whatever, what you what you did was, was wrong. But that but I but the way I responded was, you know, I I I was full of shit. Okay. And you need to know that I'm sorry for that because you need to know when you're full of shit. But you know, I don't say <laughs> it in those <laughs> you terms. Probably but, shouldn't say that yeah. exactly. Like but, it. I know what you're saying. You know, one of the I think one of the the greatest traits a man can possess is to recognize when he's full of shit and then kinda call himself out on oh, yeah. it, you know so
0: and that's the thing that i don't think a lot of people know how to do yeah i can think of a very specific time when my daughter was up for a weekend because my ex-wife and i we split up you know when she was still pretty young and uh, so she's had that life whereas i never had that life so i worry how that's going to translate later in life whereas mm-hmm. now she's a uh, what 15 years old freshman in high school yeah she's very well adjusted so we'll see how it you know transitions these next couple of years when things really start to hit her yeah you know but it, it's, it'll be fun conversations nonetheless but she's such a good kid I'm not that worried about it. I know we'll have some trouble we're not going to have major troubles like she's not gonna be the delinquent in school and getting yeah. fights and not turning her homework and doing stupid shit like I used to do because I just didn't care. Mm. I've not for sports I don't think I would have got through school it was just yeah. it was not the place for me I'm too much of a rascal yeah I can't take that much rigidity in the structure <laughs> <laughs> I just can't do it but I can think of a time. When she she knocked over a, a cup of milk at work, yeah, at work, <laughs> at, at dinner on the on the kitchen table, and I had a bunch of stuff out on the on the table because you know that's what you do—you throw stuff that's important down on the table and you go through it later and you figure it all out. And stuff got soaked, and and I was upset, and I I I definitely was a little bit too mad at her, mm-hmm. and and uh, not too long after, you know, it was time for a shower and you know getting ready to go to bed and do those kind of things, and. And uh, I was sitting downstairs alone. She was upstairs, you know, and probably not asleep yet because she had just kind of went to bed. And I had to go upstairs and apologize for overreacting because it was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Because so what? Some stuff got wet. A couple of documents got ruined. You know, no big deal. It's, yeah. it's really not the end of the world, you know. And And our relationship is much more important than that. And I had to go apologize. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. And I'm crying, and she's crying, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and she runs over, and gives me a huge hug, and I apologize and said I'll I'll be better. She's like, yeah. it's okay. I'm like, no, it's not okay. Like no one should ever treat you like that, especially not me. Yeah, you know, and, and I'll never do it again. And I apologize, you know. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do, but it's it's kind of shaped, you know, a lot of different ways of how I discipline her, I guess, as, yeah. as an adult. You know, because, like, granted, when she comes to see me, she doesn't live with me. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's more like playtime. So, we have a good time. we we'll are watch yeah. movies. We're hanging out. We're going to do fun things, you know. So, I, I'm not there every day like her mom is where they get on each other's nerves yeah. and they butt heads a little bit. Like, I don't have that, mm-hmm. you know. So, maybe that's a little bit different of a scenario. But, nonetheless, it's something that we all need to kind of learn and do, especially with our kids. Yeah. You know, because the relationship's much more important than, you know – some spilled milk but yeah granted the rules are the rules and if if they break (laughs) the rules there are consequences and and they need to know that up front but then you're not punishing out of anger it's like hey no these are the rules this is what happened you you're grounded. or give me your your cell phones or because i don't think kids should have cell phones personally (laughs) but yeah that's just me to agree
1: with that
0: I, i don't think i had one until college yeah because I was driving three hours away to go to school, so.
1: Yeah, yeah you got to break down and, and get one then.
0: Well, I definitely did because, you know, my uh, my wife at the time was home with the kid and it's like, I need to be able to get a hold of them whenever yeah. I need to. I can't, you know, rely on my, my dorm, you know, phone. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I <I'll> make classes on <laughs> that. My <night>. landline. Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. So. So, um so back to the the pool, actually. Since so you grew up near the pool. Yeah. Big pool. Spent summers there. Did mm-hmm. you do like swim classes and all that no, kind I mean, of stuff? No, I mean
1: it was it was kind of like a um man it, it was it was almost like one of those those big pools that you would see like in an 80s movie like at a like a like a huge like neighborhood pool. I'm thinking
0: I'm thinking the sandlot.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it it was it wasn't a lake. It wasn't actual it was an actual cement pool, but it was you know painted light blue and it had a You know, it had a big dock in the middle where, you know, all the, all the teenagers and high schoolers would hang out on the dock. And then it had a bunch of diving boards, you know, um, then it had, you know, shallow end with, you know, just some, some, some play stuff, you know, for the kids, snack bar, um, playground off to the side, volleyball court. you just basically go there and you, I think you had to buy a pass for the summer and you just, families would just go there and, and hang out. And, and I, uh. And my aunt watched us when we were... When my brother and I were little. And I had cousins about our age, a little younger. And uh, we'd go to that pool all the time, almost every day. Okay. Yeah.
0: Because I kind of grew up the same way.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Mom was adamant
0: that we were going to learn how to swim so yeah. as soon as we were old enough to walk essentially we were in swim class yeah you know so we learned how to swim like in the little guppies or whatever when they put the little vest on you and you learn how to kick and they teach you how to float and they do all those kind of things then we got into swim class and everything and we got on the swim team eventually you know i think i ended up quitting that because it got in the way of baseball yeah you know but i mean for some pretty much from the time that i could walk until probably you know junior highish, you know we were always just in the pool. So I feel super comfortable in the water. Yeah, you know it's no big deal. Where some people never really get that.
1: Yeah, my I mean my dad was the same way. We when he moved out to Monroe Falls, which was when I was about six or seven, there was a it was an apartment complex out there, and they had a swimming pool for the for the for the members. And I remember being in that pool. I remember learning to swim. That's one of that's a that's a very vivid early memory of mine is is learning how to swim with my brother in that pool. Okay. Yep.
0: So, um on into like junior high and high school area, did you play any sports or activities, yeah. any clubs or anything like
1: that? Um yeah, uh well, uh sports-wise, um you know, through ele- uh, up and through like elementary school, I had played, you know, T-balls and soccer, volleyball. the, the, the uh, standard little yeah, like teams, the elementary as a sports. Kid, yeah. And then um actually right around 7th seventh, 6th-7th seventh grade, um my uh, my dad belonged to a, a country club out in um, out in Akron, and we started going there during the summers, and so I started picking up golf, and um, pretty much have played golf intensely ever since. Okay. Um, I did play. The only other thing I did in high school, I did I, I did chess club for one year in seventh grade and got uh you know got my ass pounded in by
0: <laughs> that's usually how that by works.
1: <laughs> by everybody and uh so that was the last year of that um but no i played um i went out for golf in ninth grade and i played all four years
0: yeah so you played for the school mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah and uh we had a pretty we had a good. Gr- we had a uh i think we had a really good team to be honest if i remember correctly i know um quite a few times at least I think two of the years that I was on the team we went to districts at least and wow. I think got past districts once um can you think of any kind of like memorable matches that you had that came down to like the last couple of holes and, you know what and you're behind
0: and you're gonna catch up
1: to and- be honest the only things that I, the only stuff I really remember vividly are the the fuck-ups and that's it
0: those kind of it's shape such, your life so that makes but sense
1: but y- but you know what though it, when i look back on it it's like that's just the game of golf in general so as i've gotten older and i've and actually you know a lot of people get i've gotten much better since high school so just cuz you put more time yeah, in you think i, I think no just i think yeah i put well i wouldn't say i put in more time i think i just um just being more educated about the game learning okay. how to kind of tinker my and, and just and golf is also just one of those things, the more you do it, just in general muscle memory. Yeah. You know, you're gonna get 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 better, I guess until you get to that point obviously where your body starts to break down. But um so I'm actually much better now than I, I am I was in high school. So but I've really I I've really made an effort to um try to catalog more of the fun times I've had doing it <laughs> because it's very easy to like, you know, wanna quit the game and sell your clubs after a round. There have been times where I've sworn that I was never going to pick up another golf club. and You know, I just got, you just get back at it, you know, the next weekend and one good shot and you're back.
0: Well, that, that's the thing I think that keeps people hooked is mm-hmm. like that one shot that round that's actually went where you wanted it to. Yeah. You got to shape the ball. You see it launch and kind of climb gently and yeah. then just fall out of the sky. Like a lot of average players don't get the good drive on the ball that mm-hmm. they really need to to get the good flight out of it. Theirs kind of looks like a, like a big arch. Yeah. It just kind of goes up and then it comes down. But yeah. if you watch the pros, it starts low and just kind exactly. of just rises, rises, rises and just keeps going and going and going. It just absolutely runs out of energy and it yep. just falls out of the sky because I had a couple of kids growing up who played golf. Um, both of them actually went to college to play now, they went for like college management stuff to so, like learn yeah. how to like manage a country club or something when they came out. I don't know what that degree is in, in golf. Yeah, I don't know. But, but it ac- they actually went to, to college yeah. like, to learn golf. Yeah. And like they both played on the high school teams. I'm pretty sure they played on college teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the kids actually played on Pro Tour for a little bit. Oh. He had a sponsor that was willing to front him the money. And then things went a little south. I think he found out that the. the the guy who was loaning the money was a little bit of a shyster okay. and didn't quite um, have it legitly, we'll say. Yeah. I don't know the whole story. Maybe one day I'll find out. But he's an amazing golfer. I want to see him because he worked at country clubs and was an assistant pro for years yeah. and years and years. And like I said, played on tour for a year or two. And he's and he's amazing. You know, and to, to grow up around those guys playing golf, we were always in the backyard chipping around yeah. and screwing around like, oh, we're going to hit to the tree and you know, we're mm-hmm. going to hit over to the stump. Same thing. We're just going to screw around. We were always outside playing sports growing up. And I've, I've kind of excelled at all sports. I've got a good hand-eye coordination. Mm-hmm. I have pretty decent control of my body. You know, so I, I was always good at sports. Until I tried fucking golf. Yeah, <laughs> like yep. golf and tennis are the only two sports I've ever had to work hard at to become good at. Yeah, everything else just kind of came naturally. You just kind of play and you figure out as you go. Mm-hmm. You know, no big deal. But golf, because when I was in college, I was in college for like a drafting, and they had always said you need to learn how to play golf. It's it's for business. Like for you're sure. you're going to go out on outings. You're going to go out with clients. You're going to do these kind of yep. things. You need to learn. I'm I like I've been dicking around all my life, playing chipping around and doing those kind of things. Yeah. You know, I've never really played. I think I probably played 18 rounds two or three times at the time I graduated college. Yeah. I just never really played. Mm-hmm. I was always playing football and softball and doing track and everything else and real sports. basically. Well, I don't know about real sports, <laughs> they're just they're just different sports. Yeah, right. Just they're just things that you grew up with playing with the kids around the neighborhood yeah. or in school or what have you. You know, and and I remember taking up golf when I got out of college I joined a league with my father-in-law you know and we were playing you know once a week on league and then he and I would go play once a week and we try to get to the range and hit a bucket of balls like once a week you know and that was just to be like a shitty 110 golfer at like a cow pasture Mm -hmm. not even a good course like a really shitty flat down and back course you know, like I would love to be a bogey golfer. <laughs> yeah, that would be amazing if I could ever pull that off in my life. I would be stoked. I mean,
1: I've heard that if you can break a hundred, you're like in the top one percent of 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 everybody of any really? of people that play golf. Um,
0: now, no, does the level of course depend on that? I mean,
1: it it does. I it, I would say like you know, if you're going to play a public course, you can find you can find really difficult public courses, but in general your average public course you're going to get a good measure of your ability from course to course and then if um you're going to there are courses that you can you're going to pay more for typically cuz typically the more difficult courses are more expensive yeah a lot more expensive you know <laughs> or you know uh, a lot of like the Metro Park courses really nice courses but i mean have so so heavily wooded that if if you can't keep the ball relatively straight, there's really no there's really no point to going out and playing those type of courses. Yeah. But um yeah, I mean if you can if you if you're shooting if you if you can shoot a hundred, I would say you can get around the course in enough time. Because I think with with golf it's more important. It's not almost how well you play, it's can you play efficiently and can you keep pace? That's typically all people care about when they're playing golf with somebody. They don't care what the person's gonna score. You know, unless you're unless you're competing with them, which yeah. you know you wouldn't be if you're you know you're talking about a colleague, you know, golfing with a colleague. But
0: well, it's, it's always good to put a couple bucks on the line because yeah. it makes things more interesting. Yeah. But it's well, always it, like, okay, loser buys the hot dog at the yeah, turn, and you could know. figure
1: your handicap. You know, you could figure out stuff like that as far as how you could do that. But if you can keep if you can shoot a hundred, you're going to keep pace well enough to to not piss somebody off. Yeah, you know, and it's the people that that don't have any business out on the golf course. That ruin it kind of for everybody else because it it just slows everything down. Yeah, the speed a of hole. play
0: it just kills you. Yep. You kind of want to just go from hole to hole. Exactly. Play it, your game it's what turns a lot it. of
1: people off from the game, you know, because nobody like nobody wants to just sit and watch, you know,
0: horrible people play golf. Yeah.
1: People <laughs> drive their golf cart around in the woods five minutes every after every shot. <laughs> um, but that's just uh, that's just golf etiquette, in my opinion. Well, there's Keep that them off the course.
0: Like back at my old office, of we used to have a, a golf outing every year. And they called it, you know, the FFNH Masters, you mm-hmm. know. And it was just all the guys, you you know, most of them played on league and played a couple times through the year. A lot of them went on outings and those kind of things. And and I would play usually like one scramble a year, you know, with, you know, work people or what have you. And then, and that was it. And then we would, we'd go play the Masters, you mm-hmm. know. And the Masters, when we played that, it was – actual golf rules mm-hmm. so don't touch your ball put everything yeah. out whereas i grew up playing winter rules yeah you know so you're always fluffing your lie up a little bit moving mm-hmm. things out of divots because like i'm out there to play i'm not out yeah. there to try to be pro or doing anything mm-hmm. stupid so i remember there was this one time we were playing a course i forget which course we were playing but it was it was very tightly like wooded um fairways so if you got off A little bit, you were out of bounds and you were getting strokes and there's penalties and then you got to redrop and do all these kind of things. Whereas most people would just normally like run up there and drop a ball down and just keep playing from there. Like, oh, it's no big deal. But since it was the masters, you know, we we were, we were taking it seriously. You got to play by the rules and do all these kind of things. And I've got this bad habit where I tend to lean a little bit too far forward. Okay. And de loft my irons, okay. so I hit my irons really well. Yeah, but I cannot hit fairway woods or drivers. Yeah, it's hopping wh- them. Man. I just, I just basically what happens is I just drive them into the ground. Yeah, is what happens. I've, I've got to figure that out, but I'm not that worried about it because now I play more disc golf yeah. than regular <laughs> golf, you know. But so I, just, I'm like teeing off with my three iron. Mm-hmm. You know, and just getting, you know, 200, 220 yards, like, down the fairway, nothing crazy. And these guys are hitting their huge drivers and hitting trees and going out of bounds. Yeah. And, and we're, we're coming around to the back nine, which was an easier than the front nine. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot more out of bounds because there's houses and stuff in the front nine. And we were coming around the back, and all of a sudden, like, I'm kind of catching up to the leaders. Yeah. Just because I'm playing steady golf, mm-hmm. nothing crazy, not getting, like, double, triple bogeys, just, yeah. you know, playing par and bogey golf and... Doing a thing, and all of a sudden, like I, I take the lead, and and I, I extend that lead to two or three, you know, shots because everybody else is just fucking up and yeah. doing having problems, and I'm just playing consistent and just doing a thing, and and then all of a sudden we get down to it was the second to last hole, so you're you're teeing off. There's water off to your left, pretty open up on to the right, and then into the green. It was a simple, you know, par three, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was a par four. Excuse me, that's the normal. I think par for yeah. for ball golf, whereas in disc golf it's three. So I'm, <laughs> I'm all mixed up. Ball at the golf, ball, ball <laughs> golf. It's weird ball golf yeah. people. And uh, so all I've got to do is just clear the water, get it in the short stuff. You know, pop up on even two putt, and I'm still still you know doing good. All of a sudden, you know, somebody's thinking like, oh, well, don't hit it in the water. I'm like, I'm not worried about it. I'm fucking been killing my three iron yeah. all damn day. You know, so I reach back and I, of course, what happens? You hit on the heel. <laughs> And it scutters over in the water like oh great. So now I'm dropping back on the tee box. Yeah,
1: hitting three.
0: And I'm hitting three, and I ended up, I think, taking a a bogey or a double on that hole. But I would have played it as par. Yeah, I played essentially played it from par. Well, you
1: were in the water and still made a double. You did all right. Oh, well, that's the thing is like yeah. I mean I I
0: did good. Like I I got right back on the horse and we were right back at it. Like okay, screw that. Like we're not doing that again. Yeah, you know, got right back on the horse. But I think that even things up. Mm-hmm. And now there was, I think, three of us tied all of a sudden on the last hole. You know, so, okay, this is a big wide open hole. There's like the driving range off to the, the right. Mm-hmm. So you can slice the shit out of it and you're yeah. going to be fine. No problems. So I get up my three iron again, pop it right down the middle. You know, the guys get out the drivers and they have some good lines on it. Like, okay, so no big deal. So I'm coming into approach. I ended up going over the green. Mm -hmm. So coming in went over the green and I've got pine trees right in front of me. These are short pine trees, about 10, 12 feet, you know, and I'm like, okay, these guys are on the green or just in front of the green because it's down, it's sloping away from me. Mm-hmm. So it's sloping up to them. So it's an easy pitch for them up. Yeah. Whereas I've got to control this and get it to stop so it doesn't roll off the green. Otherwise, I don't have any chance of winning because yeah. I'm not playing for second place. <laughs> Fuck
1: <laughs> okay. that. You're going, are you trying to sink it? No,
0: I'm, I'm just, I got to put it up on the green yeah. and get my chance to make a putt. Okay. I got to give myself a chance. That's all I got to do. So I get out my 60 degree wedge, open it up a little bit, try to flop it up over. And what happens is I hit a tree and lands right in front of me. Mm. Well, shit. So I'm so I'm thinking, okay, I've got to put it close. Maybe they won't make their putts, and I can tap it in. And we'll be fine. Go up there, hit it again, hit another tree. Like popped over to the right, like six feet or something.
1: Oh, it's shit. Like the end of Ten cup.
0: It was horrible. All right, so there goes my chances. I'm not winning now. <laughs> it's over. So I go over to it and I just I chip it up onto the green and it rolls off the green. <laughs> And I come back and then like, and I think I missed like two putts and I ended up, (laughs) I ended up going from tied for the lead, having a stranglehold on the lead (laughs) to being tied for last place (laughs) in, in one hole, because I think I scored like a 10 or a 12 or whatever it was on this hole. Right, oh, and Matt. and so Son of a bitch, and so we have a rule, whereas the the person who gets last place gets a handy dandy sleeve of three pink balls, yeah, that they have to use in next year's Masters.
1: Nice. Well, you so, you, are, you earned it, my so, friend. So so
0: now I'm tied with a kid for last place. So now we need to go up to the clubhouse and have a putt off, yeah, to see who actually gets last. Mm-hmm. And so they put us like thirty or forty feet away from the hole. I don't get to watch him putt, so I can't read the green. Yeah you know and he puts it in in two or three and i so I, I put it up there you know and maybe the first one wasn't close then i kind of you know put it you know have another putt come close to the hole yeah. it wasn't exactly but i've been sinking these all day like four or five footers easy peasy just be aggressive put it right at the hole don't allow for a break and just put her in there yeah put it in lips out you know and it rolls like 10 15 feet away from you know the hole And i'm like and i get last place and and the president of the company, I think, who had just won, off of my mistake, should have
1: gotten fired for that. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. That's a little rough. Holy <laughs> fuck!
0: So, so he's like, "Oh, I think he missed that on purpose." And I had to, I had to put my putter down so I didn't wrap it around a fucking tree, and I had to walk off and kind of cool <laughs> myself down for a little bit because I, if anything, I'm. Have I'm, you played
1: golf since? Yes. Okay.
0: I'm competitive to a fault. Yeah. Like I'm almost too competitive. Not me. And I and I love to compete. I love to play. Yeah. You know, and I was so mad at myself cuz it was nothing that they did. They didn't win it. Mm-hmm. I lost. You gave it. It, away. it was mine to win and I absolutely
1: lost it. Yeah.
0: You know, and I'm like reevaluating myself like what's going on? What's do I need to change my swing? Well, it sounds
1: like you're pretty it sounds like you are were a good golfer.
0: I'm a decent golfer. I'm definitely like
1: I mean if you're hitting 3 irons 220 down the fairway, I'm, I mean Sound like a pretty good golfer. Well,
0: that's all fine and dandy until somebody grabs their driver and smokes one three or uh, two eighty, three. Yeah, I guess,
1: but I mean, you know, because
0: it's all no, because they've yeah. got they've got a you know one hundred and fifty yard approach in yeah, the green, in. and I've got another three iron into the green. Yeah, it's much harder to control yeah. a three iron than it is a seven iron.
1: Yeah, so you, you know? just you just got to learn how to hit the woods. Uh, well, that's the know? thing
0: is I, I need to if I'm. To do that, I have to change my swing completely because yeah. I've got to learn to stay back, hit the ball in the upstroke, because that's mm-hmm. what those clubs are designed for. Yeah, and I, I'd have to recondition my entire game to be able to do that. Yeah. and it's like I'm just not willing to put in the time right now because I'm busy with weightlifting and oh, yeah. and playing disc golf and pickleball and doing the other kind of things that I enjoy. And I just I just don't have the time or the effort to put into it right now. It's no big deal. Yeah, you know. But it's, it was so funny because like after that whole episode, I'm. Like, okay, this this was like a Friday or Saturday. I don't remember. So I come back into work Monday. And, of course, they're all giving me shit and razzing me because I lost. And they, they know how much I hate losing and, and all these kind of things. And I'm, like, talking to my boss, you know, and like another, like, department head in our, you know, me- like, mechanical, you know, firm. And, and I'm, like, what do I need to do? What's going on? How do I change this? And he's, like, dude, it's, like, the first one when you're trying to flop it over the trees, I like, get. yeah, yeah. like, you still got a chance. You're still in it. That's fine. It's like, but after that, you gotta take your medicine. Yep. You gotta just punch it out on there, chip up on, and put her in, and be done. Like you lost, it's over. Sucks to be you. You know, take your medicine. Stop trying to make these like miracle shots happen. Like it's just bad things are gonna happen, exactly. which is what happened to me. It's like I got stuck trying trying to win, yeah. And I wasn't thinking like, okay, take a step back, take your medicine, you know, and just kind of do your thing. And actually, that lesson has really helped me with ball with, ball, with disc golf. Okay. Because I don't play that much. I play a couple times a year. You know, so I, just, I just don't get out a whole bunch. And uh, my buddy who plays a lot, he got me into it. He got me pretty good at it. He's always telling me, like, you're the best person I know that doesn't play. Okay. <laughs> it's just, just like, it's like, okay. It's, almost, yeah. it's like, I mean, I'm a pretty decent player. If I really focus that, yeah. like, I could be pretty good. Now, Grant, am I going to be Ricky Wysocki, like two-time world champion? Like, no, not going to happen. He's actually from- Not
1: going to be Ricky Wysocki. He's
0: actually from Medina- and I, yeah, and I actually got to see him play last year.
1: Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, that makes me wonder something because I know a family with the last name Wysock. I can't
0: imagine there's too many of them, and
1: they're in Wadsworth. I wonder if it's got to be can't be coincidence because
0: he's he's from Medina. Okay, and uh, so I got a chance to go watch him play, and it it's just it's just on a whole another level. I mean, it's like anybody else. It's like <laughs> most people who've never played sports don't realize there's such a gap. Like if you go play high school sports, let's say football great example average kid around here is playing a bunch of farmers if you're good you're going to stand out pretty easily because there's not a whole lot of competition right
1: yeah
0: you take that same kid who dominated everyone you put him in ohio state you know mm-hmm. and he's not going to even make the practice squad oh because yeah. ever because everyone there is head and shoulders above him even though he was the best player in high school yeah and it's like if you go to pros that's the same thing Like, the best player in Ohio State is, like, going to get his dick kicked in by all these pros because they're all head and shoulders above him. That's just how it works. Yeah, You know? And it's like most people don't understand that as as things get better. So, like, me, a casual disc golfer playing every once in a while, watching this kid play – and he's just fooling around. It's just like a nothing scramble where somebody got lucky enough to be his partner. Yeah. You know, and they won the whole thing and won a couple bucks or whatever it was. Because everybody's putting in like 10 bucks and the mm-hmm. you know winner takes like 90% of it and second place gets, you know, like their money back or something. You know, something like that. Yeah. You know? And it's like he, yeah. and he's showing up to sell merchandise, sell discs and shirts and kind of raise money so he can travel to the next tournament. And he's also home seeing family and doing that kind of stuff. So it was cool. But like watching him play, it's like even if I. Like quit my job and played full time and practice all year round. Like I'm never gonna be as good as him, and I get it. Like it's no big deal. He's just that good. Yeah, I've got no problem with that. It doesn't bother me anymore. Now, when I was in high school and in college, that would bother me. It's like, oh, I could be that good. And what the hell? I'm an athlete. I'm, I could have played college football and this and that, even though I never got a chance to because I had my daughter and had you know I had to go to school to get an education, yeah. and get a
1: job. You know, but yeah, you know. I mean, I something like this golf, I would imagine would would probably. Um, I, I think if you just dedicate—I don't know if you would need any, like, LeBron James-style, like, genetical cheat code type of thing. No. I think you could probably—if you said, I'm going to be the best disc golfer in the world, especially probably because there probably wasn't—being a non-popular sport, it's not that popular. And yeah, most
0: people don't even realize there's, like, a pro tour. Yeah,
1: it's more popular even now than it was back then. But you probably could have said, I'm going to go right from high school to being the best disc golfer in the world. You, you could have done it. I mean, you've got like got the long limbs. You could generate the torque.
0: Actually, what's funny is all the disc golfers are incredibly thin. Really? Most of them aren't that tall, but they're all very, very small, which I think is weird because I would think that I should be able to outdrive these guys. I'm a big, strong Just more, guy. Just more mass. Yeah, I'm not, you know? I'm not yeah. hugely muscular, overbound, anything crazy like that. I've got pretty decent mobility, you know, but it's like these kids – can just throw a disc so damn far I don't know how they do it.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just probably the same, you know, same thing with golf. I mean you got these little guys that put it out there three fifty. It's just it's physics basically. Just yeah. generating the the levers and the torques and uh and it's definitely uh, timing.
0: Yep. And once you get the timing down, I think you can really, really smack a golf ball a
1: long bloody way. Yep. Just like kind of just releasing a bunch of potential energy. And I've I've noticed, you know, I've done, you know, I've I've done things with my swing where you, you notice. And, and and also the fact that they hit the ball in the, you know, they hit the ball in the sweet spot every single time. And right there, you're, you're giving yourself, you know, lots of extra yardage just by the mere fact that you're getting 100%. What do you guys think? Like
0: 10, 15, 20% extra?
1: At least because, I mean, you're getting the full, you're getting the full, uh, you Know the full worth of each club when you hit it, as opposed to you know, amateurs when they hit the ball, you're probably only getting 75% yeah. of the you catching on the that, heel, yeah, you're catching on the
0: toe, what you, you to dump it in the ground a little bit yeah. before and slow it
1: down. This is a very uh niche uh conversation so far. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, you have uh and those of you in the audience are big into uh sports in fields with uh you know target field sports. Well, hopefully, they like it, yeah. <laughs> I'm like I'll talk golf all day. I mean, okay, shit, well, let's, let's do it. Since, you, since
0: you're bored of talking talk <laughs> no, golf, just, let's move on. I'm worried about so, the person
1: listening to it. Yeah. I said I'll, I'll talk about golf. They can always listen as long to as it. you want. I'll call you on the phone later. And they talk can always about
0: it. <laughs> listen to another episode if they don't like this one. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So 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 after um, after high school, did you go to college?
1: I did. Yeah, I went to um, I went to Kent State right after right after high school. Um, and let's see, I when I when I went to, when I first start, when I first enrolled at Kent, I was living actually with my dad at the time, it was just the two of us, and we, in this is back to Magador I was, I was living in a, in, a, in a small house in Magador with him, um, because he had lost everything he had in the divorce with my stepmom, um, so we were living out in Magador, and then at that time I um, met my girlfriend, and ended up in my second year of school, moving into, we got an apartment, uh, down in, uh, down right off, right off, um, right off, uh, one of the side streets by the campus. And we moved in there with one of her longtime friends from high school. So it was the, me and my girlfriend and her friend. And, uh, that I guess was probably the beginning of the end of that version of myself. What do you mean? Meaning that, what that started what that what that move in started ended in a i guess you could call it a a, a paradigm shift in my life or something okay um kind of just almost like like a, like a uh like a hard like a like a hard stop and then a new paragraph basically because it, it was a it was a very tumultuous tumultuous i'm not going to try to say it time <laughs> um so after my second year in Kent, that was when things had reached a breaking point uh with that girlfriend. Um and, and, and this
0: is the start of a new chapter.
1: Yeah, well, no, this is this is the this is kind of the end piece. Of, okay, so the end, this is the end of that chapter yeah. and
0: then and then a complete shift in your life. Yeah,
1: yeah. So basically um at the time I was living out in I had moved to at, back to Goodyear Heights with a friend of mine. Um, who's now a police officer in, um, Arizona and we lived out there for a year and ended up, I ended up dropping out of school. Um, I ended up dropping out of, uh, <clears throat> I left Kent for a couple reasons, actually, well, for two, two reasons that I like to tell myself. And those two reasons would be one, I needed to come up with about $6,000 for a class, an architecture summer class to continue in the program. And I knew I didn't, I didn't have the money, obviously. And I knew I also didn't, I, I was, they were only going to take about 15 to 20% of the people who took the class would be, would even be accepted into the next level. So basically you're gambling with 6,000, you know, that's um, not very good odds. No. And so that, and the fact that, um, uh, so the fact that I kind of, the, my the, the, the career path I had thought I wanted to pursue just was no longer an option, which was architecture. Yeah. And, um, uh, and then that along with the, uh, that, that's, that's the reason I like to tell myself why I left, but honestly it was just because I just kind of lost my mind a little bit for, you know, for a while and um, just couldn't just, I, I just stopped going to, you know, I had stopped going to class, you know, there were times, there were times where I would go, this is like my, my last, like my last year of school there were times where I would go to class and I'd go in sit down and I'd be handed a test the whole class would be handed a test and of course I didn't know about it because I hadn't been to class in a month you know so there were times in college where I took class I took tests without ever you know without note without ever you know I took classes where I never bought the books (laughs) okay I mean it just I, I I was not. Now, I, now,
0: did you lose interest? Well, in the a, classes, no. I know. No, no, no. Was it you were out partying? No. no,
1: no and... you even that is digging too deep. Okay. I it, for me, it was a simple case of I was too young to have my. I was too young to be free. I was too, uh, it, for me. And I'm not. This obviously is not a blanket statement for, for anybody. I mean, there were there are, there are 16 year olds out there that are capable. Of, you know, being men. In my opinion, it for me. At that time in my life, 18, 19 years old, I, I – I, that was not – I didn't need – I was not responsible enough. You, you
0: weren't ready for the I wasn't ready. I wasn't
1: ready for it. I was, you know, I was lazy. I was disinterested. I was, you know, self – and you know, I was just self-indulgent. I just cared about – you know, I cared about working and making money, um, you know, and buying anything I wanted and just – Kind of being out, being out of the house, you know, having my own thing, and I and I kind of wonder if part of that is a manifestation of being moved around my entire life growing up. That now that I finally had my own place, I finally had my own schedule, I wasn't having to bounce back and forth, and I think I just kind of went down that hole and got lost. You know, I think I just kind of got lost in that freedom of not having to. As long as I had money, you know, as long as I was paying, I could pay my share of the rent, I could pay my share, I could pay my car payment and I could afford gas. I didn't have to answer to anybody, you know. And uh I just wasn't ready for it. I got okay. myself I got my lived off credit cards for a while with huge, you know, huge interest rates and I didn't get paid off until you know, a decade and a half later. Yeah,
0: I mean, credit cards ruin kids.
1: So, you know, nobody ever and 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 then basically what what kind of ended that chapter was I moved back. I moved out to 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 uh out to buy my old high school on Steel's Corners out in like Cal- um I guess it'd be what is it right by Stowe in Cuyahoga Falls, right off of Steel's Corners. Got a place there with an old friend of mine and was working at Papa John's and that's when I became friends with my with my current wife and um ended up that's where we kinda ended up, um, after things finally split with, with this other girl. We started hanging out and um Became friends, and, and then became more than friends, and then three months after that, uh, I was uh, I, I had created a uh, a child. So three after three months of dating, so that was the that was start of that was chap that's chapter one of okay. the new book. And basically, that's, that's
0: but that's kind of when your life was ready to start, right? Yes, because I think that a lot of us we we grow up, and especially as kids, like we're not ready for being adults yet. You yeah. know, and, and I heard something very profound the other day that's really stuck with me. You know, and it's and it's a gentleman who said uh, it's actually his name is Doug Larson, he is on a popular podcast called The Barbell Shrugged and or I guess it's just Barbell Shrugged. Okay. Um I've heard of it. And he said that we're not raising kids I mean he was saying this to his wife. Mm-hmm. He's like we're not raising kids. We're raising adults who are just going through childhood. Mm-hmm you know, and I'm like, that's Likey. that's really good stuff because a lot of us say, okay, oh well, I'm 40 now, and my life is probably you know half over statistically mm-hmm. speaking, and you know, and I've I've like, what am I gonna do, and uh, this and that and yada, like, well, that's, let's be real honest, like most of us haven't really been living life. Until, like you said, like right there, that's chapter mm-hmm. one. That's the start of the book. Yeah. The rest of it's like a preface.
1: That, you know, it's what, like, man, you know I, what? I was young.
0: I grew up. I had experiences. I, I had some good. I had some bad. I had some awful. It is what it is. But until you're 18, 19, 20, 21, even in 25, they say your your brain's still developing. So you're not really a fully developed adult until like 24, 25, I believe. You know, it's like that's when life
1: starts. Yeah. I mean, like, it's, like you,
0: you could just see the other ones, like literally, just a preface. Now, chapter one. Boom! Yeah, right there. It's, so that's that's a really interesting way of looking at yeah. your
1: life. I've always kind of it's it's weird that you make you know you make the the um that analogy because I've always looked at it like it's almost, it's it, when I look back on it it's almost like it's a trailer for a different movie you know <laughs> and now I'm now this is the movie so well then,
0: the good thing about that is now you can decide yeah whereas in the beginning you had no choice yeah like when your parents split up you didn't want that to happen but you don't have a choice in it yeah and you don't want to spend time splitting here and there and going to different places but you didn't. You know we want them marrying different people and having horrible divorces and having to see all that shit yeah that's not your choice it's a lot of bad you know but, but now it's your choice so, yeah. so that, that's cool
1: and, you know, it's weird because you would think, okay, here's somebody that's watched, you know, their parents get divorced, watch their dad get divorced again, watch your dad get with another woman and have a couple kids and then watch them split up and then watch my mom go on through her a side. loveless second marriage, loveless marriage. And then here's me who, in you know, my, 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 uh, at the time, my girlfriend, Katie, who was now, was not my wife was not, you know, was 18. She was still on high. I, I would pick her up from class I would pick her up from high school, and drive, and drive her to her parents' house. Let me. I'm gonna. Let me get to this story because it's a good <laughs> one. Okay. Um, and uh, but and here and here she is. Three months later, she's pregnant by some dude who you know I'm working at a at a liquid crystal factory at the time. Um, and uh, and then you think, what are the odds? that that would, you know, here's this guy who's watched, who's seen nothing but failed relationships yeah, in his life. Yeah, horrible relationships. Okay. And then he makes a mistake, I guess you could say, you know, he, he does, you know, he does not practice responsibility. If it wasn't planned, yeah. I guess you could definitely And, you know, and, mistake. And, and, and changes an 18-year-old girl's life at the same time. And here we are almost 16 years later, you know, um, 16 and a half years later. Uh, four kids now and you know the the odds were not the odds were not in our favor no definitely not you know and it's funny too because I it was so odd the way things went down I did not speak the first time I'd ever met her father was when I was was when he found out she was pregnant that was the first time we exchanged would never been over even for that was the first time we had exchanged words wow and it's funny because I had not the only person in her family I had really met was her aunt because at that time she was closer with her aunt than she was with either of her parents. She didn't have a very good relationship to her mom with her mom at the time and still, you know, still does not, but um so her she was closest with her aunt. So her aunt was who she told, you know, I'm pregnant. And then I went I remember going over to meet her aunt and really hitting it off with her. You know, just seeing how receptive and encouraging she was. And it really kind of made me think like, Okay, you know, uh, maybe this isn't as as stupid as I thought, and so her aunt kind of bridged the gap for me to talk to the to her parents, and I remember talking to her dad in that basement, and how incredibly horrifying it was. <laughs> probably it just if you're into cringe, all right, like imagine some twenty year old guy that you've never met he comes rolling into your house after impregnating your daughter. And then he takes a seat, you know, takes a seat at at the couch in your basement. How do you not just, how do you not, how do you not destroy him? You know, how, How? why am I still here? Turns out her dad is probably the most laid back dude I've ever met in my life. So we ended up hitting it off. And, uh, you know, it it really, it, it, Here's a funny story because this was the first time. This was the first. And this is a short story, but it's it'll just give you a quick glimpse into the first family experience I had with them.
0: Okay. So, so the first experience is the first ever is like with her family hey, as a I, whole. Hey, uh, I got your daughter yeah, pregnant. Exactly. So please it's, don't kill me. Exactly. We're gonna it's, get married. It's gonna be awesome.
1: Yes. So it's her da- her family. It's it's her. Is it,
0: had, this like a month later, weeks later? This is.
1: Probably a couple of weeks later. Okay. Okay, so her family, it's its her, her brother, who's a couple of years younger than her, and her mom and her dad. And her cousins having, I believe it's her cousins having a wedding out in Cleveland. So, um, you know, we're going out. So we go out to Cleveland, we go to this wedding, and we, I remember we go to the reception, and there's, they serve chicken, if I'm not mistaken. Well, whatever they served did not agree with me. Because... Now, mind you, this story is, is will is going to maintain its you know will maintain its its worth if you keep in mind that this is the first experience I've had with these people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so everything's great. At the, you know, everything's cordial at the wedding. You know, great. We're having you know we're having a good time, getting to know everybody, getting to know her little brother who at the times an absolute punk ass. Um, and uh, on the way home, and I can feel you know I feel I feel inside. I'm like, we got a problem. We got a serious issue because Starbucks here we are. Yeah, I'm in I'm in a car. I'm not, you know, I'm in a car with with four other people. You know, in fact, I think there's three of us in the back seat because it was just a just a sedan, I think. So, three of us in the back seat. I think I'm in the middle. And 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 then I just I just somehow managed to squeeze out this, you know, this silent but deadly rip. <laughs> Okay, and so I'm sitting there, and I know, and I timed it up because I know I had been to Cleveland so many times going to sporting events. I know that there's a point right before you get to Cleveland, or right when you're leaving after you're leaving Cleveland, where it smells like absolute shit because that's just the smell of the city and whatever they're doing in that region. Well, that's right where the wastewater treatment plant is, and so it smells just like shit. So I'm like, I'm gonna bust this fart (laughs) right as we're going through the sewer treatment plant, or where you know, and. We're gonna get away scot free, okay? So I time it up, and I let it rip, and we're driving, and I'm smelling, and I, and I start to smell it, and I'm like, okay, that's, I might, have – you know, this is not, I don't think, I don't know if this is gonna work, okay? It's too bad. So, as we're driving through, all of a sudden, her dad, and her dad works at R T A up in Cleveland. Uh, he was a the the general manager up there. Um, so he drove he drove to Cleveland every day, and all, and we're sitting there, he's just like. You know, he's a he's a Tennessee guy. He's like, "Whoa, wait." It's like, "What was what is that smell?" And 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 I think at the time her mom tries to cover up. He's like, "Oh, it's just Cleveland. It's just, you know, what it, and he's like, "I Debbie, I drive up in here every day, 5 days a week. That that is not the city. Somebody <laughs> farted." Okay? So did, did you own up? I did not own up oh, to. No. no, of course not at the time, of course. If it were today, of course. Uh, so Nobody says another word about it. By the time we go at home, it's go time. Okay. I've got to, I've got to (laughs) unload. Now here's the best part. The way their house is, it's like one of those three triple level houses. So as soon as you walk in, you're in the living room. Okay. You look to the left, you've got about two or three stairs and there's a bathroom right there. Okay. So that bathroom is just a mere, is a, is a, is a whisper away from the living room. So as soon as I go in, I'm like, "Tell me, where's your back? You know, can I use your restroom?" And she's like, "Oh, sure, right there." You know. So I go in there, and I don't think, I don't, I don't think about it. I was in that bathroom for 30 minutes. Okay, (laughs) 30 minutes to cleanse. That's how long that my soul needed cleansing. I mean, this, (laughs) and I distinctly remember it was 30 minutes because I remember literally being horrified of the fact that every single minute that went by, I was like, "Oh my god." They they know Like it's so obvious what's going on right here. Like maybe, maybe there's no, maybe, maybe they, maybe they forgot I'm in here, but you know, as the minutes stack up, you know, like the, the the jig is up. Okay. (laughs) So 30 minutes go by. I remember her mom comes and knocks on the bathroom door asking me if I'm okay. Okay. First time ever met the woman. Now she's knocking on the door trying to make sure I haven't shit myself to death in her bathroom. Okay. So I'm like, okay, thank you. You know, I don't even know if I knew her name at the time. (laughs) And so I remember finally coming out of the bathroom. I come out of the bathroom. I close the door and I turn to my left and there they are, the whole family, all four of them. They're sitting right on the couch, just staring me right in the eyes. And that's the end of that story. (laughs) you know and that was the first that was my first experience with that family was so looking them in the eyes shall after we i say desecrated their not apartment.
0: off to the best start
1: i i i desecrated their their property after impregnating their daughter i impregnated their soup their 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 toilet pipes and somehow to this day i still communicate with them with a straight face you know but well.
0: but okay so let's let's backtrack a little bit so let's say rocky start uh, with you know, with the in laws' families, yeah. so so it's the the new chapter in your life. So you and Katie obviously got married, mm-hmm. and had had more kids. You guys are still together today, together today. So like, where did kind of life go after that?
1: Let's see. So she moved in. We were in mon. You know, we were in uh, in my apartment um, off of Steele's Corners. Um, she was pregnant with um, with Dylan, our first, and we stayed there until. She gave birth and then we stayed there for a few months afterwards and um, eventually – actually, you know, pro- yeah, I stayed there for probably about six, eight months afterwards. Then in 2003, moved out to Wadsworth.
0: So I think that's a good place to kind of wrap up this, this first time Great. on the podcast here. I think we definitely went off in the woods way too much. <laughs> we got got some very personal yeah, let, things. Yeah,
1: next time let's bring an outline, you know. No, I don't, I, I don't,
0: I don't want to know. Yeah. That's the thing is yeah. I, I want – the conversation to kind of go where it goes well you know and it's it's
1: got to get the round of religion we got yeah, to get well we're definitely gonna <laughs> do
0: that because we, you and i have had some really fun talks about religion but we don't have time to mm-hmm. get into that today yeah we're we're don't, to we come don't come in dedicated we don't need a five-hour podcast yeah. you know and then eventually i'd like to bring in another friend of mine who you've met um he grew up um i think lutheran
1: okay oh it was and uh the guy panera yeah Great. Same, same guy excellent
0: and uh and you know and he has very different beliefs mm-hmm. you know and, and
1: i was thinking about that conversation the other, the other day actually. yeah so yeah. i think
0: the three of us can have a lot of fun with that okay. now, maybe you and i do one solo and then he comes on later i don't know we'll figure yeah, it all hey, out I'm but I, I just it. that'll be a lot of fun but like i said i wanted this first one to kind of be you know, We'll get to know andy we'll have some fun we'll have some laughs and excellent and we'll see what's kind of going on so i greatly appreciate you coming on
1: and you can find me on facebook at andrew hoffman and you can uh Tell, uh, you can, you uh, Get
0: on there and tell him your poop stories.
1: Yeah, I want to hear your poop stories. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ADH underscore 79. I re- retweet a lot of offensive shit, and uh, sometimes I make some jokes that get uh, absolutely zero response. But that's cool because it's all about the love of the game, though, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, I think that's a, a good place to end. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to do this again.
1: Absolutely. All right, thank we'll you. see
0: you guys next time on the next episode. Okay, so for a guy who said that he was pretty nervous to do the podcast, he did a great job. That was a lot of fun. I I really enjoyed that. I know that you guys probably got bored with some of the golf stories, but I think we really got a good chance to, to know who Andy is and what he's all about, and I cannot wait to have him back on the podcast. I think he might even turn into an elusive... Uh, co-host perhaps you know because i think that uh, he had quite a lot of fun and he's looking forward to doing some more and i know that we're definitely going to do one about religion he's got a lot of education when it comes to that and and i don't so it's kind of fun for me to learn we have very different outlooks on it so i i quite enjoy talking to him about that kind of stuff well that's it for today i hope that you guys had as much fun as i did and we'll look forward to seeing you guys on the next episode